Hello and welcome to the Science Fiction Book Review Podcast. My name is Luke Burridge and this is the show where I review every single science fiction book that I read as I read it. There's no set schedule, it's just whenever I finish the book I do the review, stick it up on the podcast feed for everyone to listen to. And today, uh, actually not doing science fiction, we are going fantasy, we are going fun, epic, um, empire building, uh, world spanning, uh, heist fiction and things like that. So we've got the um, Michael J. Sullivan. Now this is a pretty tricky um, series to talk around. It's the Rhea, uh, the Rhea, Rhea, Rhea Revelation series, um, and uh, there's actually six books in this series, but the first two books were com- uh, collected together into one story. you got book one, The Crown Conspiracy and um, Evan Parther, and both of those were collected together into uh, Theft of Swords, and then this collection of two stories that I'm going to be reviewing uh, this time out is uh, Nephron Rising and the Emerald Storm, Collect- Storm. Emerald Storm, collected together into a book called The Rise of Empire. So it's a bit tricky because, again, I've got this always this problem of, like, well, how do I review a second book in the series or a middle book in the series because I don't want to spoil uh, anything if, if people haven't read up until this point. So I'll just keep this, um, you know, keep it kind of light and general in this case. the uh, At the end of the uh, the first two books, which I struggle to remember because um, I read it quite a long time ago. I look back, it's five years ago. Back in 2013, I uh, read The Theft of Swords. Um, back in January 2013, so yeah, longer than five years ago. Um, I gave it three and a half stars. It's a fun, um, a fun uh, fantasy stories, and it's quite funny because in the first one they're going, "Hey, we we've been uh, there's Royce and Hadrian, uh, and they are two thieves, two rogues. Uh, one of them is really good at fighting. The other one." Um, is half elf. He doesn't look like an elf, but he's got elf blood there, so he's got some of the, uh, um, you know, the reactions, and you can see in the dark a lot better than uh, than normal humans. And he is kind of like uh, put his half elf background into becoming a really good thief. And they're set up, and they're like, "Hey, we want you to steal this sword. It's a very powerful sword." And they're like, "Okay." And then the second book starts, and they're like, "Hey, we want you to steal." another sword <laughs> and even the characters in the book are like hey we've done we've done sword stealing already didn't we didn't we do that in the previous adventure and they're like yes but we got another sword to do um so it sets up and there's sort of like lots of conspiracies going on um actually it wasn't the first book called the crown conspiracy let's have a quick look yeah the crown conspiracy and then they they want to find a they're um employed by like the different sides of these different conspiracies so in this book you're like wait are they working for the empire or are they working for these other people and uh, and you're never quite sure because there's bad people in the empire but also there's good people in the empire so sometimes they want to help they want to help some people in the empire uh, and otherwise not so anyway this is all about the rise of the empire uh, there's like a a load of countries or little nations uh, states have been taken over in the middle of this say continent i guess i don't have a map in front of me and uh, and then there's some uh, uh, kingdoms around the outside out, outside and another one which isn't a um, a kingdom it's sort of like being set up as a people's republic or whatever and they're like, hey, there's this big empire that's taken over all these countries, but there's a few of us who are independent. Let's band together and uh, work out what we need to do to, uh, like, oh, you attack up there and we'll attack down here. So the first book is about that, you know, sort of like a, a princess, Arista, whose brother is now the king. And she's like, hey, let's go over here and let's try and set up a rebellion over there and let's meet up with these people. And because our main uh, our main uh, characters, Royce and Hadrian, um, they uh, they like sometimes again they're working. It feels like they're working for both sides sometimes, but also they are, they are um, 
they are old thieves and they've been in various uh, different gangs like un, you know underworld gangs at some point and there's lots of that comes in especially into the first book here of uh, of Nephron Rising and yeah it's sort of like there's a there's a battle there's a siege there's all this kind of stuff going on but a lot of it's sort of like the intrigue of what's going on and there's some people who are the uh, the the equal to Royce and Hadrian there's some other um there's some people you know that the the, uh, the people that they're fighting against are also very sneaky in some cases and very conniving again it's lots of conspiracies like who's this person working for who's the person who's working over here who's the person who's working over there who's the person who's working over here um Lots of double crossing and things like that, which is all, always a lot of good fun. So that's the first book, and then it ends up, and you know, it's sort of like, oh, okay, middle book kind of thing. Let's have book four in this six book series. Um, see how they go about this. And again, they go over to one place, they intercept a letter, and they're like, ah, okay, this letter. Um, it says this. So let's go and deliver this letter, and they get sent out um, on a uh, you know on a mission. And it happens quite often now when I read these. Um, fantasy uh, series, not just fantasy series, but there's often like, okay, we've done a battle, we've done a siege, we've done some capers, we've done some, uh, you know, we, we've done our, you know, Ocean's Eleven heist thing over here, we've stolen something, what do we do next? And it seems like quite a lot of fantasy series go, ah, okay, we need a pirate adventure. And that's what the Emerald Storm is. It's not a pirate adventure. It's sort of like some, but it is a, a seafaring thing. So you've got all like the master and commander thing. Oh, we're going to go here. We're going to get on the ship. We're going to try and pass as, um, as uh, you know, as sailors. And I'm going to go into the riggings. And you, Hadrian, you're going to become the cook. And you've got to, you know, even though in the first book, we're told that Hadrian is actually very bad at cooking, but he's got someone to help out. Um, so yeah, it's a it's quite a it, it's quite a fun um, situation that they find themselves in. However, I do feel like now I've seen this quite a lot before. You know, all okay. So you're gonna go along here, and you're gonna go in the sea, and you're gonna learn how to sail, and you're gonna have a pirate adventure, and some sails are gonna be seen on the horizon, and you're gonna sail this way, and in the dark you're gonna go that way, and all of those beats happen here in the Emerald Storm. Um, but it, it is an easy way of getting to know people because, of course, you can get to know people like, oh, let's just go and walk somewhere and you get to know people and you have the whole, you know, fantasy adventures along the way. And what happens with, you know, on a boat, you kind of like you get to know the crew. Oh, there's people here sneaking around there. It's kind of like uh, you're actually moving along in the story, um, actually moving along in the journey of the story let me put it that way you go you're going somewhere but you're in a familiar place continuously and uh, you know you don't need to constantly talk about oh and then when they went over this hill and they got to this town and there's people that they met there and then they got to this town and people that met there nope it's just sort of like we're on a boat we're in a little capsule here let's tell this story um which i thought was decently done however i do feel like now i have read enough fantasy series where they suddenly go oh and now let's have a boat adventure um so that boat adventure lasts for about half the novel and then they set off into some jungles and uh all you know all is good oh and then they yeah they, they meet up with some people have a bit of a battle and then there's another heisty kind of thing and the book the second book here in this two books so i guess book four of the Rhea revelations Rhea, 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 Rhea revelations can't actually remember how they pronounce it um 
So it, it ends on a bit of a downer, like you get in these like middle books or middle sections of a trilogy. Um, so they end up, and some of our main characters are in prison. Some of them are like, well, now you're going to be executed. It's sort of like, oh, didn't didn't see that happening. However, I kind of did see that happening because in all of these different situations, the the plotting in these is very. I don't want to say basic because that you know there's stuff going on and it's fun to read but it feels like you know oh we need to set something up okay if we're going to set something up we don't set something up a book beforehand or at the start of the book and then pay it off at the end of the book um it's very much sort of like let's mention something in this chapter okay it's mentioned in that chapter and then i think well in the next chapter when these characters are going to turn up it's good we're they're just going to pay that off and then that person's going to turn up and then they're either going to die or they're going to double cross or what's going to happen. And there are some things as well where they're like, okay, well, someone is going to have to be the person who double crossed and it's not that person and it's not that person. And I'm like, it's this person. It's always that kind of thing. It's like, it's this person over here. And then when they were double crossed at the end, it was the person who I thought it was going to be. And the setup at the end was... Um, I don't know, again, don't want to give too much away, but it always happens sort of like when they go, oh, you're the only people who can get in there to stop this thing. And they get in there and they're like, well, how how are we going to be, like, if we're the only people who can get in to stop this, how are the people, like, who, who are we going to stop who's in here? <laughs> and it's always that, like, you, you're the people. <laughs> it's always, it's always, what was that? I can't remember, there was a movie where... Um, where someone who gets into someone at the end, they're like, hey, I've got to get in to stop the bomb. And they're like... You, you didn't stop a bomb. There is no bomb. It's not like, I didn't, can't to stop the bomb. They all look at him and it's like, what's in the back of your car? Um, anyway, it's a, it's a similar kind of thing like that. So the plotting is a bit basic and some of the uh, revelations in this series are not really that surprising. However, I, I often feel like sometimes it's a little bit easy for some characters to get into a situation and then a little bit e easy for them to get out of situations. It always feels like, oh, we're in jail, we've been caught. Oh, well, let's just break out of jail. And it seems to be, for Royce and Hadrian, always a little bit too easy for them to be, you know, broken out of jail. They just seem to, you know, it all kind of works out for them in the end. And some of the other characters, you just know that that's not going to happen. Of course, they're henchmen. Of course, they're side characters. It's never, you know, things are going to go badly for other people. But I wish it wasn't always a little bit too um, obvious. Not too obvious. It, it's sometimes a little bit too clear what's going to happen to these characters and who someone's going to fall in love with and what's going to happen to this character over there. But, you know, there is that kind of like, oh, there's some destiny and this person is here and I've read your timeline and this is going to be happening. Anyway, what I did like about this is a lot of the world building is uh, good, fun, you know, again, pretty standard uh, fantasy series stuff. But, uh, you know, I enjoy going and seeing what the differences are over here and differences are over there. And, you know, they go to the jungle place and it's a little bit, oh, is this being a bit racist? I'm not really sure. Um, but yeah, they you know, as they go east, things get more, uh, <laughs> more savage and things. I'm not sure. Anyway, one thing I do want to talk about, though, is the, um, is the setting up of the elves. Now, there is a lot of um, Holocaust imagery and slave trading imagery with the elves in this book. To the point where that, like, everyone is in the book is human, and all the humans are like, well, we don't like elves, but, you know, we've got, get, got to get rid of them some way. Um, like, they're a bit too dangerous. And it feels like, oh, I know, well, put it this way, it's, it rests a little bit too heavy on making the bad guys bad people because there's literally a holocaust going on 
on against elves like there is a final solution being discussed oh yes we're just going to you know round them all up and then make them disappear and then we're like well how are they going to make them disappear and then there's a lot of imagery of you know the elves being you know held in chains in the bottom of the boat and this is like is it a slave ship what's going on with these what's going on with these elves where are they going where are they taking them so it feels like for such a book, which is just so light, and it's sort of like, oh, we're going to steal a sword, we're going to go this thing, we're going to have a fight over here, all that kind of stuff over there. It feels, uh, the um, the tone of it, every time I'm reminded, oh, and there is actually a holocaust going on and slave trading going on, and we're going to use the imagery and the words and the kind of the views of, of these stuff very, very, very clearly in, in, this, in this way. But it doesn't seem to be very well addressed in that way which is a big difference from, say, the, um, the Stone Sky series. What's that called? The um, uh, M.K. Jemison series. Uh, let me quickly have a look up that one so I don't uh, forget it straight. Oh, man, I'm so bad at uh, reading these ones. Broken Earth series, that's it. The Stone, Stone Sky was the last book in the Broken Earth, where it seems to be very much in the foreground that we're talking about race and that we're talking about... Uh, you know, all the issues that are addressed by what you think a black woman author would do. Um, but then Michael J. Sullivan, it seems to be just a little bit like flippant, like, oh, and in the background, there's a Holocaust and slavery and people being chained up in the bottom of ships. But it's sort of like just a background for this rollicking adventure in the foreground. And if I'm just going to have rollicking adventures and, hey, this is good over here, oh, it's a fun adventure, and these people are uh, things and they're just running around, I kind of either want the main characters to understand what's going on. And one of the main characters is half-elf. And I'm like, well, how can he just be fine with this? Like, why aren't they, like, when they see someone just burning a whole load of elves all at once. Like, why isn't that person immediately dead? Like, what? what is the bigger thing that they are trying to do when they're like, oh, that's a mission is important, so let's leave this person alive. We don't want to blow our cover, so let's leave these people alive. We don't want to... It's sort of like, no, just kill, kill the Nazi who's killing the elves. Like, there's only one thing, and it feels like they... Like, it's... Again, it's playing off... It's playing off the imagery of Holocaust and slavery, but not taking it seriously enough. And yeah, it just made me, it's only a background thing, which made me feel uncomfortable as I was listening to this audiobook. But it is, yeah, it, it did kind of always leave a bitter taste in my mouth. And I was just sort of like, no, I want a little bit, like you've either got to address this or don't have it in the book. And four books into this, especially when it gets really heavy with this in the second book, um, I just really want, you know, if it's going to be wisecracking, you know, fantasy heists, that's great. But, um, yeah, the, the Holocaust and slavery imagery, just which is kind of ignored in the background. It feels like, feels like it's just done for flavour, and I don't want something just being like something that important just being in there for flavour. Um, you know, it's sort of like when you read some of these fantasy books, sort of like, and now here's a character. Let's just have her raped for no reason. It's sort of like, oh, for story purposes. It's like, no, you're just gonna <laughs> don't make me uncomfortable in this way. Anyway. I did enjoy these books. I think the first book of these two, Nephron Rising, is much better than The Emerald Storm because, again, get onto a boat. I'm like, yeah, whatever. But they needed to move along, and I liked the story and pacing and plotting in Nephron Rising. It's a little bit more contained. And The Emerald Storm, they split apart at the start. The, the, the two main characters with Arista, who is this princess, and Royce and Hadrian, they get... Um, split apart and then they don't talk to each other and they don't really impact each other for the entire rest of that second book um, The Emerald Storm they, you know, 
it, you could have just read one of the books all the way through, or all those, you know, all their chapters, all Royce and Hadrian's chapters, just read them all the way through, and then gone back and just read the Arista chapters all the way through. And yeah, I don't think there would be anything to um, to connect them at all. I mean, of course, they both have their own stories, so it kind of like when one is on a high, the other one's on a high, and when the other one's on a low, the other one's on a low. You know, it does actually work out both ways. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, they, they they go along in step. But um, I uh, I kind of wish there'd been a little bit more connection between them because I actually quite liked it when Royce and Hadrian were together with to Arista, or at least had something going on there. Um, so I think I don't really have anything else to say about this. Yeah, fun caper fantasy stuff. Yay! Um, let's say I think I gave the first book in this series or the first two books in this series. I think it was a uh, uh, let me have a look here, Sullivan. Uh, yeah, three point five. I think I'll just go with the, this with this one as well. It's perfectly good, perfectly serviceable um, fantasy uh, capers. Uh, so I'll give it this one three and a half stars. Let's actually find something to say by going across to Goodreads and finding what other people think. So Kevin Zhu rated it two stars. Don't know why I even picked up this book as my review of Theft of Swords stated that I would never continue on with this series. Well, what I liked. Lied. Um, Terp Christian. Love the stories. Love the narration. Oh, yeah, the narration is actually good. Uh, Michael J. Sullivan wrote it and narrated by Tim Gerard Reynolds, um, who does a very good... He's got some... He, he does make it very easy to tell the characters apart. He's got some good accents. Uh, lots of people have got d- lots of different regional accents from the United Kingdom and Ireland as well, um, which, is, uh, which is good fun. The audiobook is 26 hours and 32 minutes, so each one of these books is pretty, you know, chunky. Like, I quite like six-hour audiobooks, uh, and this is 26 hours. So it did take me quite a long time to get through it. Um, I think I read the first two books as an e-book, um, but this one uh, as an audiobook, and I think it was, uh, uh, yeah, very well, very well uh, read here. Um, it says here, this series was published in two different ways. Six books, six, a six-book originally self-published and three two-book omnibus editions. The original versions are out of print, having been replaced by Orbit releases. Um, instead of a string of sequels, the entire series was conceived as a single epic tale divided into individual episodes. All were written before the first was released so that the plot elements are intertwined, yet each is self-contained with its own conflict and resolution. That is true. It is very. It does feel like it's very well worked out. There's never a moment where I th- think that uh, uh, Michael J. Sullivan doesn't know what's going on, or who the main bad guy is going to be, or, or what the twists are going to um, be uh, be happening with this one as well. Uh, yes. Yeah, so Darren rated it four stars. I enjoyed this book not as much as the first two. I really Emerald Storm. I really got a good feel for the w- depth of world building in this book. We got to explore some fantastic sites, from jungle tribes to volcanic gear and valve systems to exotic cities to the inner workings of ship life. Uh, yeah, Benjamin Love rated it five stars. Timothy Warren four stars. Scott rated it four stars. Yeah, so it looks like quite a few people generally rating it uh, three or four stars, and uh, and Kevin Zhu rating it two stars. What he says. Um, the book felt outdated, felt the tropes that were fine back in the last 70s and early 80s with writers, especially like Terry Brooks and David Eddings, writing their craft, which when times have evolved to a more complex style of fantasy, they still kept the tropes and light heart fantasy still going. That is true. This does feel dated. And I think I was telling this when I was talking to Juliana about this book. I was saying it feels like not quite young adult fiction, but it feels, yeah, like dated in a way that like I want, like, 
it's not that I think fantasy should always be serious, but yeah, it just doesn't feel as contemporary as some a lot of other fantasy. Like it's sort of like, yes, we are just going to have some dwarves and some elves and some humans and some and some magic and some swords and some fighting. And I was like, yeah, but what else are we going to have? And they're like, oh, we're going to have some heists. I was like, yeah, I've done that with fantasy. Oh, we're going to have some boat adventures. I was like, yeah, I've, I've done boat adventures as well. We've done that um, too. So um it is, though, a big step up. I really enjoy these books much more than... What were the other ones where the, the gentleman... Let me quick look at the gentleman... Uh, gentleman Bastards. Uh, Scott Lynch's Gentleman Bastard series. Uh, Red Sea under Red Sky. Oh, that's one. Uh, Lies of Locke Lamora. Like, if you want, if you want um, fantasy, magic, and heists, and even um, pirate adventures, Lies of Locke Lamora and Red Sea under Red Skies is um, not what you should go for. I would go with these uh, with these series by Michael J. Sullivan. I just I like the characters here a lot better than that, and the plotting and everything is a lot better. So that's a big step up. So it's not. It's even though it's okay, it, it, it's good. It's a big step up from other fantasy stories that I've read. Um, uh, so others, some others. What was I saying? Yeah, I think that's about it. Three and a half stars. Uh, fun series. Um, I think that's it for me. You can become my friend on Goodreads.com, and I can also see what you think of the books that I'm reading, like I've just done here as well. Matthew Kern rated it four stars. Another good installment. Definitely the middle of a trilogy. <laughs> Don't expect any conclusions because there are none. Fun and epic. Yes. Uh, Again, adventure is paramount, which is refreshing. Can't wait to read the final book. I will get to the final book, and I probably won't wait another five and a half years before reading and reviewing it. I think I'll just get on and finish this series um, up in a uh, in a shorter while than before. Let's quickly have a look, see if the next book is available on uh, on audio book. The Heir of Novron is uh, what I'm looking for. The Age of Legend, Disappearance of Winter's Daughter, Death of Dulgoth, Crown Tower, Rhythm for Air of Northern. Yeah, he is. So let me add that to my witch wish list. 31 hours and 47 minutes, even longer than the previous one. Anyway, um, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Luke Burge there. On Instagram, at Luke Burge there. YouTube, at Luke Burge there. On Twitch, don't even know. Um, so that's it for me. Thanks a lot for listening, and I'll catch you next time.